Awesome. How's everybody doing? All right, man. First service, I'm like, how are you doing? That's what happened. Nothing, you know? It was, the, it was very interesting. I won't say the worst. It just, I love you guys. That's all I'll say. Um, so uh, it, just a little bit about myself. I am, uh, I lead the high school and the young adults up in here. We got any high schoolers, young adults? Yo! Yeah, that's what's up. I roll with that crew. And um, man, if you are a high schooler, young adult, you're not plugged in yet, please come talk to me at some point. I'd love to get you involved in what's going on in our church family, especially as it has to do with high school and young adults. And if you're like, man, I wish I was a high schooler, young adult, I have a place for you too. You can love on these students and uh, I'd love to chat with you about that. Um, that's my sales pitch. But uh, so I, um, I've been married for three years, um, which I'm really excited about. My wife finished school two days ago. So yeah, Are you kidding me? Yeah, super excited about that victorious moment for all of us and um, looking forward to that. So that's a little bit about me. But uh, man, I just want to say that I am so excited and honored to speak to you in this capacity. It's always exciting for me. And um, I've heard that today is Junior Pastor Awareness Day because this, <laughs> this is like the week that every senior pastor takes off and um, yeah, get, takes a little break. So after the long Easter Sunday, by the way, was anybody here on Easter Sunday? Oh man. Was that amazing or what? Man, what a blessing that was. If you weren't here, we saw a ton of people enter the waters of baptism. And it was just an amazing day of worshiping and celebrating the reality that Christ has conquered sin and death. Um, but the cool thing about Easter Sunday is that it's not reserved for like, yeah, Christ conquered sin and death. We get to talk about it once a year. We get to soak in and rest in that reality every single day of the week for now and eternity that the, the reality that Christ has risen and sin and death has been paid for, and that is worth celebrating. So we're going to continue in that thread. Does that sound good? Awesome. So as I was thinking and praying through this particular Sunday, I kept coming back to a topic that we've been leaning into as young adults and um, as high schoolers as well. And I think it's something that is very foundational to the life of a follower of Jesus. And it might not be what you think. Um, and it's actually... Um, it's something that is scattered all throughout scripture and Jesus himself, he exemplified the life we're talking about today. And whether, whether you're new to following Jesus um, or you've been following him for a long time, I think this practice is something that we can start with and it's something that we can continually press into as we pursue Jesus. And the practice I'm talking about, well, is hospitality. That's what I'm talking about, hospitality. And let me just say, it might not be what you think. It might not be what you think. Because when we talk about hospitality, many things come to mind. Even when this is up here, you were probably thinking, oh, we're talking about a group of people getting together. Or maybe, maybe he's going to talk about food. Or he, he might be talking about that Southern hospitality. Or maybe he's just talking about how to set up a trendy living room like that. Or... <laughs> Or maybe he's going to talk to me about how I need to step into awkward conversations or something like that. We all have something that comes to mind when it comes to the idea of hospitality. Um, but what we see in scripture is that hospitality is far more than like a really, really good idea. It's far more than really good food. It is a way of life that actually has the power to reveal what the kingdom of God is like. It has the power to reveal to other people what the kingdom of God is like. If that's what hospitality is, man, I want to in on that. If you want to show people who Jesus is and give people a taste of the immense love of God, we have a vehicle, we have a means of doing that, and it's called hospitality. Um, if you have your scriptures, go ahead and pull those out. There should be a Bible in the pew rack in front of you if you don't have one. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 4 to begin with. Um, and we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures throughout today, but we'll start here. It says this, above all, love each other deeply 
because love covers over a multitude of sins. And then get what it says next, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I wish it didn't add that last part, but offer hospitality without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Anybody got gifts out there? If you've received some gifts, use those to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever And everybody said, amen. With this text, I just want to say this. For followers of Jesus, hospitality is not just an act to perform. It's actually a lifestyle. It's not just, okay, this is my hospitable life, and then this is like my everyday life. It's not a single act. It is actually a lifestyle where we open ourselves up and create space for other people. What I think we have here is actually an invitation into this life. We are called, I think you would agree, to a different way of life than what we see out in the world. We're called to this different way of life, a life that looks differently from the world, and the different life is truly a life that is focused on other people. Because I don't know if you've been in the world for very long, maybe some of you more than others, but um, it's a pretty selfish place out there, right? It's really, what can I get, what can I get? Followers of Jesus live differently and they say, what can, how can I be hospitable to you? Let me focus on your needs. Disciples or followers of Jesus who are bringing Jesus into the world are people who use their resources, they use their skills and their life to focus and direct attention onto other people for the glory of God. Isn't that a pretty simple way to put it? I've experienced hospitality in this church like you wouldn't believe. There are some people in here who have given up their entire lives for the good of others and for the glory of God. How how many of you guys have experienced that with some people up in this church? They've just given their lives, they've just poured it out and they're like, I'm gonna create space for people. Um, the, the, the word hospitality comes from a combination of two words, love and stranger. Love and stranger. Literally then, hospitality is the love of strangers. It is the lifestyle. I love how this, how this puts it. It is the lifestyle of depleting your resources for the good of another and for the glory of God. Depleting your resources. Anybody have any resources out there? Anybody have time? We don't, none of us have time. But anybody, anybody have a listening ear? Anybody have a home? Anybody, what resources have you been gifted with? Have you, do you have speaking skills? Do you have just listening skills? We are called to deplete those for the good of another and for the glory of God. And when we do that, people get a taste of the kingdom of God. So think of that. Depleting your resources for the good of another, for the glory of God. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like somebody? Somebody depleting themselves, depleting their resources, giving themselves up for the good of another, for the glory of God? Who did that? Jesus, that's that traditional Sunday school answer. You are right once again. This, this, is, a, this is a powerful, powerful description of what the gospel is. Depleting your resources for the good of another, for the glory of God. Think about it. When we were strangers... Dude, hospitality is the love of strangers. Did you know we were once strangers to God? Strangers, when we were strangers, when we were aliens to God, after humanity, namely you and I, chose to sin, what did God choose to do? Ignore us. No, he chose to take us in. When we were without a home, without a family, undeserving of anything good, God brought us into his family. He provided a way for us to jump into his family, and he gave us a place to belong. In the ultimate act of hospitality, God provided a way to welcome us through the death of Jesus Christ. So God, in the most basic sense, is ultimately hospitable. Are you guys tracking with me so far? 
awesome. He's ultimately hospitable, and therefore, hospitality is, is a characteristic built in the DNA of those who follow him. So if you are made in God's image, anybody made in God's image? Everybody raise your hand. We too are inherently called to a lifestyle of intentional hospitality. So just, just to show you the power of hospitality and its role in how we follow Jesus, let me just say this, because you might resonate with this. The worst feeling of all time is to walk into an environment and feel like you don't belong. Would you agree? You walk in, you feel uncomfortable in your own skin. Before I moved here, I lived in a small town called Star, Idaho. Anybody been to Star? Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I, okay, I'm not going to use this illustration. Love you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Well, just like in the most basic sense, um, I, didn't, I didn't really fit in in Star, Idaho. Why is that? Well, I didn't have my Wranglers. I didn't have my boots. I didn't have my chewing tobacco or my lifted truck covered in mud and the American flag hanging in the back. And if you know me, like, that's not me. So, like, kind of being in there was like, oh. Then, and people would be like, he ain't from around here, are you? You know, that kind of a thing. And I was like, I ain't from around here. Please don't hurt me. Um, but that just kind of, kind of sums up what it feels like to not belong. And some of you have felt this way. You've walked into a place... And for whatever reason, you feel uncomfortable in your own skin. You feel as though the people in the room or the environment, they reject you as a person. And you know that in that environment, it is hard to flourish. You cannot flourish in an environment where you feel rejected. But I believe that the reciprocal of this is also true. The greatest feeling is to walk in and be like, these are my people, they love me. We might be different, but they know who I am and they encourage me to be the best version of myself. So the greatest thing, people find belonging when true hospitality is shown. People find belonging when true, true hospitality is shown. I believe that um, hospitality is actually, this is kind of a fancy word, but a biblical theology, meaning you can trace it all throughout scripture. Um, I mean, and starting in Genesis, let's do that for instance. A pastor that I look up to, he says it this way, hospitality is creating space for someone when you don't have to. It's creating space for somebody when you don't have to. It's opening up your life it's opening up your home, it's opening up your schedule, your agenda, your calendar, your vehicle, your possessions, your skills and abilities. It's opening up your ears and creating space for someone to be known and valued in the name of Jesus. Think about the history of God. From the very beginning, God created space in what we call the garden, right? There was space, he created space for humanity to dwell. And if you know the story, God, gave some boundaries. He said, here's what this space looks like, and you don't want to go beyond the, the, these boundaries. And what happened? Well, we went our own way. Adam and Eve were like, I'm going to go this way, actually, and do my own thing. And they broke the boundary that was set. But get this, after we rebelled, after humanity went their own way, hospitality was still shown primarily in two different ways. First off, it's this. The earth remains a hospitable place for us. Did you know it would have been completely righteous to be like, okay, everybody in the world, um, you're just going to die. You know what I mean? That would have been very righteous. Why? Because we, none of us are good, right? We all have this sinfulness in us. So what did he do? He didn't do that. He actually sent his son. But listen to how we see in Scripture that all things are being held together by God. In Colossians, it says that for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or, or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
man, the earth remains a hospitable place for us to belong. And the second one is this. We were given a place in God's family. You and I have a spot. There's a place for me. I, I won't, I'll leave it up to James. Love you, dude. Um, but in Ephesians, we read this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners. You don't have to be a stranger, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Friends, hospitality is the very center of who God is. He creates space for people. He gives space for us to belong. He gives space in his family for you and I. Um, and when we follow Jesus, we get to do two different things with this. Number one, we get to live in that good hospitality. We're like, yeah, you're darn right. God, give me a place to belong. I'm in his family. But then you know what? We get to extend that to other people. And it's like, not only is this for me, it's for everyone in this room, and it's for everybody that I meet outside these doors. The very gospel message is a divine act of hospitality. Jesus, during his life, he epitomized hospitality. But that kind of like tears down every misconception we have of hospitality. Why? Because, dude, he didn't have a physical home. He didn't have physical resources or a cookie sheet that I know of or a casserole dish or a Chemex or if you're a Keurig kind of person, he didn't have one of those either. But Jesus practiced the core of hospitality, which is sacrificing something of your own to welcome others in. He created space for others. This is why hospitality, it's not a set of actions. It is a posture of living. Therefore, I think that the more clearly we look at ourselves and examine our need to be brought near to Christ, it, it fuels us to go out and to be hospitable to other people. Because you're like, dude, I know what it's like to be a foreigner to God, but I, I don't want you to experience that because we have Jesus now. So um, another thing that we find in Scripture, this is very, this is intense, this brings it kind of next level. One of the worst things that can be done to a person is to refuse hospitality. You might be thinking, I could think of a lot worse things, <laughs> and I kind of want to do that to some people, you might be thinking. But in, in 1 Corinthians 5, we read about a really unhealthy situation, a very messed up circumstance. There's a dude in the church leadership that, that the leaders have come to. And, and for this example, you need to understand that this person, this dude, he's living in sin and saying, I'm going to continue in this life and I'm going to continue to lead and I, and, and I refuse any other way of life. And Paul has some pretty strict words for him. He's like, dude, he's creating damage going on. He's not pursuing Jesus. And he says, don't eat with this guy anymore. And then he says, don't show him hospitality. And then the next sentence is, deliver him over to Satan. They connect, don't show him hospitality to delivering someone over to Satan. When Paul thinks of the worst thing that could be done to a person, he thinks of refusing to show hospitality. Now that's, that's crazy. When we don't welcome people, it's a big, big deal. When we don't welcome people and provide space for people, it is a big deal. Don't underestimate the effects of refusing hospitality. Let's think through those implications. And I'm not saying you should walk into an environment, and this is the fear of this, is walk into an environment super hypersensitive about who's being hospitable to me. Like, oh, this person didn't make eye contact with me. Uh, they didn't say hi to me. Oh no, I'm hypersensitive. I'm encouraging you, walk into an environment to be extremely hypersensitive about who can I be hospitable to? Who needs a listening ear right now? How can I create space for this person over here? They look like they might be lonely. You know what I mean? Like, let's be, let's be hypersensitive about being hospitable to other people instead of the other way around. 
Um, if, if we're defining hospitality, which we've been using, as creating space for another, what kind of space do we create? I would say free space. We, we create free space. There's a pastor that I look up to. He says it this way. Hospitality means primarily the creation of a free space where a person isn't forced or expected to change, but a free space where change can happen, where change can happen. It's interesting when we are in a place that is not free. Maybe you've been there. You walk into an environment, into a place, and um, th this is a place where you feel the pressure to think and talk and believe like the other people around you think, talk, and believe. Have you been in a place like that? You walk in, you're like, I can't be myself. I walk in and I have to do what you do or else I just don't belong. But when you go into a place and they let you be you and you, they have a genuine interest in who you are, that's what a hospitable place is. That's what makes people come alive. And guess what? That is the environment where you get to unravel and reveal the best version of themselves, mainly who they are in Christ, mainly Christ in them. Listen to what this, um, this spiritual director, she says it this way. I thought this was so cool. Hospitality requires good boundaries. This is important for the giver and the receiver. Boundaries create a sense of containment. The difference between a hug and a strangling is different use of the containment capacity. <laughs> the physical space contains the experience. There is also hospitality of the heart. This is the capacity to allow people to come in as they are. The beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves. The resolution not to twist them into our own image our hearts have to have enough space to allow a person to grow and to change and unfold. In other words, respect the process, friends. For this reason, hospitality cannot exist when the one showing hospitality is attempting to control the other. The creative expression of boundaries helps people to choose to live in interactive harmony rather than in the prison of individual selfishness. The opposite of this is Downton Abbey's chokehold of hospitality. Never seen it, but I'm sure it has something to do with it. It's set to serve the comfort and the power of the elite. This hospitality, where you have to do what the other people say, is actually a stranglehold. We want our lives to exude, exude this boundaried free space where people can exist and, and they can un, we can unravel the best version of them without saying, you have to, you know what I'm saying? A place where people can be who they are, but, but there is space to receive encouragement and growth and a space for the best version of themselves to be revealed, namely who they are in Christ. And I would argue, not argue, I would state that, let's argue about it. No, I would state that this starts with listening really well, listening to people really well. The, the most hospitable people I know are far less concerned about, listen what I did, this is awesome, check this out. And they're far more about, tell me about yourself, and then being quiet and leaving space, creating space for other people to respond. Um, I wanna challenge myself, if I can, on stage, and you as well, this week, as, as we head into a new week, practice hearing people out. Just slow down for a second and say, man, I wonder if this person needs to say something, and I'm not giving space to hear them out. I'm not giving space and, and I, I need to grow in concern for other people and how God is growing them. Let me listen up. Um, Matthew 25, you may have heard this before. Um, I will summarize it here in a bit, but it says this, and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left, as you do. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And this is what, this is what he's saying, for I was hungry 
You gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, I was a stranger, you welcomed me, I was naked, you clothed me, I was sick, you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will, will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you? Like, I don't ever remember doing any of these things because I didn't see you. Um, when, did we, when did we see you as a stranger? When did we welcome you? And then you go down further and he says to the people on his left, Dude, I was hungry. You didn't give me any food. I, w I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You didn't welcome me. I was naked. You didn't. And then, and then the same response, but Lord, when did we see you? When did we see you and not do, do anything? There is something very fundamental to hospitality in here that might be missed at first sight, but the whole passage hinges on this word seeing. Both the unrighteous and the righteous said, when did we see? When did we see? It must be assertive that hospitality can only begin by seeing people. Can only begin by truly seeing the person that is in front of you. The righteous saw people, and what did they do? They created space because of it, and they met needs because of it, and therefore they did something about it. The unrighteous had a different story. They, they saw people, they didn't create space. Our eyes and ears need to be open to being able to see other people. And, I know it is so hard to just not open your home. It is so hard to just um, neglect being hospitable throughout your day. Like, man, I'm tired. You're tired. I've had a long day. I don't want to have anything to do with this. It's so easy to pack out your schedule and leave no room for people to belong. You're like, yeah, I know you're having a rough day, but let's do this. Um, but as we bear the image of God, one of our primary characteristics is showing hospitality, creating space for somebody when you don't have to. Um, I'm gonna slowly start wrapping this up, but this last portion, I just want to dream with you, if that's cool. Let's just dream about practically, what could this look like? Let's kind of like ignite this fire of like, okay, let's go out here and let's be hospitable. Practically, what does that look like? Um, what if we, I'm gonna start with this question, were to recapture our homes and recapture our workplaces and our schools, wherever you find yourself, recapture that as an outpost to the kingdom of God? as a place where people experience the kingdom of God? What if we were to actually recapture the tables at our homes, the couches, our schedule as a tangible expression to love and serve our neighbors and the people that we do life around? Because when you think about it, for a lot of us, our home is a retreat, right? For a lot of us, it's a place to hide from the world. It's a place to eat and drink and maybe game it up, maybe watch that Netflix. Maybe you're like, dude, my home's just a place where I just sleep the entire time there. But the reality is we oftentimes see our homes as a retreat to tap out of life until the next day, whatever that might be. And if we aren't careful, we can think of the primary role of our home as a retreat. Like what happens at home stays at home, we're just gonna leave that at home. And a lot of us, we hear the call um, from Jesus to go out into the city, go out into our schools and our workplaces with the message of Jesus, and we want to bleed to make Jesus known. And yet many of us think that this is only a task that happens outside of the home and don't see the home as a resource, as an outpost for the kingdom of God. I'm not going to lie, I, I tend to view my home as a retreat for myself sometimes, but I think the gospel gives us an alternative vision for our homes. There's a saying... A man's home is his castle. You heard that before? Um, a castle has walls, right, and a moat and a portcullis designed to kill anyone if they don't want you in, right? And things have not changed much. What, 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 um, what if we were to see our homes not as a castle to retreat from the world, but as an outpost for the kingdom of God in the world? 
What if we were to reimagine or revision our, our tables, not as like a block of wood, but it, like where we sit down and shred burgers while we watch TV, but like as an open door and opportunity to show the love of the Father to those who do not know that they are sons and daughters of the King quite yet. I want to start seeing my neighbors differently, my coworkers, classmates, store clerk, gas attendant, from God's vantage point, from God's perspective. I want to see, Lord, when did we see you? If we could truly see these people, we would probably see person after person hiding who are probably lonely and hurting and desperate for the love of the Father and have no idea about it. There are so many people who lo live these lonely and alienated lives that need a good Samaritan or a Mary and Martha to walk in and invite them into a place to belong. Here, here's space. Here's a listening ear. Here's my resources. Come and dwell. Come and belong. Let me hear you out. John Tyson has this little book on community called Sacred Roots. This is what it says. What would the church look like if we chose to buy homes in the same streets and subdivisions, the same buildings and blocks, the same suburbs and sections? What would our love look like if it showed up dozens of times a week in small but profound ways? Meals cooked, prayers prayed, songs sung, scripture studied, games played, parties thrown, tears shed, reconciliation practiced, resources given. What if we stopped attending community groups and became groups of communities? What if our homes stopped being the place we hid from the world, but havens in which the world comes for healing? Dude, I want that. I want that. Rosaria Butterfield has a, has a vision for this as well. She says it this way. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality can see their, see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors. They seek out the underprivileged. They know that the gospel comes with a house key. The gospel comes with a house key. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that so rad? So many people giving their lives to Jesus for the first time. What if we were like, dude, you're baptized. Here, bro, here's my keys, man. You got my car. You got, let's, let's do this together. You know what I'm saying? Do you see your home or your apartment or your, the room in your parents' basement or whatever it is as yours? Like, this is mine. I'm going to do what I want with it. Or as a gift that belongs to the Father that you have been assigned to steward that you have been the person that has been entrusted with God's real estate. It's all his. You just get to borrow it for a bit. You are entrusted with the Father's wealth. The question we have to ask is, is our door locked or unlocked? Is our table opened or closed? Is my schedule free enough or not? Are my ears available enough or not? Have you created space for others in your life? Let's start living like the gospel truly comes with a house key. And when I say that, that terrifies me. I'm like, no, dude, where am I going to retreat? I can't get away from you, man. That's why I go there. Um, but practically speaking, I think that it means this. Living below our means in terms of money and time to create margin for those in our community and those not yet in our community. And I think the primary one here is time. We are all so busy, you know what I mean? But what if we created margin? People say, man, my schedule's just packed. But at the end of the day, we, t we tell our schedule what's going to be on it. You know, we have the freedom to say, dude, we're, we're just going to say no to this to create margin for our community and for the people that we want in our community that we're going to intentionally seek out. Imagine if this community of people were known for like throwing the best parties in town, bringing, getting together people every single... Imagine if, if what was true of your apartment complex or your neighborhood and community was true of that in the New Testament where it says that there were no needy person among them. It was like, dude, 
there was no needy people among them. If anybody had something, they, it was like the gospel came with a house key, you know? That's just how they lived. That's, that's how we live. Where everyone puts their resources together for the good of another. Everyone had a place to belong around a cup of tea and a good conversation and were free to come and go as they please without grumbling, even if there might be annoying, you know? Just throwing that out there. I get this as well, that this won't, come to pass fully until Jesus comes back because this is just a broken world. I get that some people want nothing to do with our community or want nothing to do with anybody really particularly and yet our calling as a follower of Jesus is to live into this vision one meal at a time, one moment at a time, one conversation at a time because at the end of the day, um, what, is, what is our purpose? To love God and to love people. Love God, love others. Love God, love our neighbors. So a question that I've been convicted by, and I'm sorry that I have to show you this question because it will probably hurt you as much as it hurt me, but is this, would your neighborhood look any different if you moved out? You can fill anything. Would my job, would the people in my workplace, would, it be, would my school environment look any different if I moved out? Would the people know, would, would they be missing the glue that got people together? Would they miss the welcoming presence brought through your home or your class, whatever it is? Um, what would your neighborhood lack if you decided to dip out? All we ever have, and I was reminded of this, is here and now. Like, we have an opportunity before us. So my invitation today, it's pretty simple. Create space this week. Be thinking about the space you need to create. What, is, what does it look like to create free space for you this week? Lean into this biblical, biblical hospitality. The best part, too, is that you don't have to do it alone. This isn't a go out and try really hard to just love people that you can't stand this week. No, Jesus will help you. Your community is right there. He, they, they want to help you. If you need some encouragement, go to your community, find your community. If you don't have one, come talk to me, come talk to Dave. We will get you a crew of people. But as, as we fix our eyes on the cross via communion, I think this is the perfect thing. Sometimes we segue into communion, but this is, this is the most beautiful thing ever. Did you know that this, this moment right here, when we go to the, to the table every week, that is a divine act of hospitality right there? That is ultimate act of hospitality when Jesus created a way for the worst of sinners to be brought near to God. Space was created. Communion is a boundary-free space. What does that mean? It's a place where you can come as you are. Whatever state of life you find yourself in today, you are welcome in the presence of God because of Jesus' death. But this hospitality, it's one that will change you. It's one that changes us and it woos us from the inside out into the person that we were created to be. When we get a taste of what Jesus is about, dude, we can't stay fixated in the life we once knew. As we take the bread and the cup, it's what you find in these tables this morning, Let's remember the links, the great, great links that Jesus went to to welcome sinners like you and I. And we get to hold those and we get to say, man, he went to a great length for you and I. He was ultimately hospitable. And take communion on your own when you're ready. Um, the tables are going to be open in the front and in the back during this next song. Take it whenever you're ready. Let me, um, let me just pray over you and let's, let's just close out by worshiping together. God, I just want to thank you so much. Um, for this crew of people that are here. I know that there's not a single person here on accident. 
I know that there was probably a lot of different situations on why people are here, but I just pray that as we kind of soak in your word, your living, active word, I just pray that, that it would be moving in us. It would be sifting out some things. It would, um, I just pray that our hearts would be soft enough to be able to walk out of these doors changed and having a better understanding of who you are and, and what you're doing in our lives. Help us to reveal the best version of other people. Um, help us to reveal you and other people, God. We want more of you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and worship this morning. Amen.